welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic today on the show. Mark Schindler is in the building. Schindler and I are going to break down the NBA playoffs for five to ten minutes at the top, just very quickly to dive into a couple of things that are happening. And then we're going to dive into the meat of this podcast, which is going to be something I'm referring to as the Wembenyama rankings. Where do we most want to see Victor Wembenyama end up in the NBA draft lottery that will occur next week on Tuesday. Mark, what's going on, man? What's up, Sam? I am tired. Uh, I feel like we both of us say that every pod, but that's just that's the life. Um, no, it's it's good. I'm. Uh, there were four media days for the WNBA yesterday. I was only able to make it to two of them. And, a couple and you only got roasted in one of them. <laughs> only got roasted in one of them. Was able to make it right today. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was very fun. I'm, I'll remind, remind me to send you that video. Actually, um, I need to. I need. To I see do it. have the video, but yeah, um, yeah. that was fun for, for people. People who don't know Kelsey Plum of the Las Vegas Aces, uh, Mark wore an Oregon T-shirt to the media day, and Kelsey Plum does not play that shit, and. <laughs> yeah was more than happy to absolutely roast Mark. Yeah, and uh, I was like the only one there, so it was great. Um, we had a good time, though. It was fun. Um, but, yeah, I uh, – no, this is a good week. Uh, yesterday was – like, I don't want to say weirdest day of the playoffs, but those those were two very odd games for me. Um, yeah. Not that I didn't enjoy them, but, like, they were – I don't know. They are just kind of different. They were still fun, but um, not really what I was expecting in either game to a degree. So, yes. I think the last two days of the playoffs are like that, to be honest, because in the day before that, we saw game five of Boston, Philadelphia, and that was just a weird, wild ride where it felt like Joe Missoula kind of made the wrong decision at every turn. And then also, like, I didn't really love the plan. I thought that Philadelphia, this is something I'm going to do. I'm going to do like a bigger breakdown this weekend on the playoff series as they end, but I thought that Doc Rivers has made some really smart adjustments, shortening the rotation. I really like the way that they're defending ball screens a little bit uh, against Boston. Early on, they were just playing like a straight drop. Now they're playing like a drop, and then they're kind of being more aggressive in peel switching, it feels like, and being willing to just kind of live with Embiid getting those mismatches occasionally if he gets strung out in those circumstances, or you know, somebody else getting mismatched onto a guard. I'm intrigued by that a little bit. I'm also just intrigued by the fact that Boston feels like they have no idea how to really attack them in ball screens after game two and three. And that's, I think, what I'm most looking forward to seeing tonight. There's obviously been a big adjustment. They're going to start Robert Williams in game six next to Al Horford, and they're going to go bigger. And my guess is the way that they're going to do this is they're going to play Al Horford uh, on Joel Embiid and then Robert Williams on P.J. Tucker and let him kind of roam around and try and be a menace and help. The problem there is I haven't really loved Robert Williams in drop that much in this series. I've really liked him as a roaming defender, but it feels like since Jalen McDaniels has been taken out of the rotation, Robert Williams hasn't been as effective. So I'm really intrigued to see uh, – just how this whole thing goes with Boston tonight, making a real adjustment to go bigger, which is something they haven't done a ton of in this series. Most of the time they've been going smaller. Yeah, I'm interested as well, because kind of like you stated, um, 
like part of I think just what's been a, an issue for Boston at large. And I mean, like they have a lot larger issues and not even like, I think issues almost too far to an extent, but um, like you just haven't felt Rob will at all. And granted, like he came off the injury, he's been very in and out and just not the same, but that's part of the issue. Like, I, I mean, I think even with what he did defensively last year, so much of it is, I mean, was like you're mentioning in that role, it wasn't in him being somebody who can like be incredibly awesome as a switch defender, somebody who you are comfortable dropping. And I think you've seen some of those um, issues play out a little bit in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, That's what I'm most looking forward to tonight. The other game is Denver and Phoenix. Look, Denver is now uh, going to be playing a Phoenix team without DeAndre Ayton, who has a rib contusion and Chris Paul, who has that groin strain. Look, DeAndre Ayton hasn't been great in this series. We can acknowledge that. But, like, the drop-off going from DeAndre Ayton to now having to play, like, 35 minutes of Jock Lawndale and then another 13 of Bismack is large, I think. And we'll have to see how they can respond. It's going to require another Herculean effort from Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Ultimately, that's what this series comes down to. Can they do that? Yeah, I think almost to me too, this comes down to more of f- with what they've gotten from the bench from in pieces and parts throughout the series, can they cobble that together to be even more now? Um, I think TJ Warren has had really good moments throughout the series, and uh, I think it's at the point where like just play him 25 minutes because you kind of need it. Um, I mean, you I have, have to outscore play. them now. Like you kind of have yeah. to run and gun them, and that's not a great idea against Denver. It's actually a really bad idea, but I think you kind of just have to do it with what your roster looks like. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, the issue is just like, what else are they going to do? Um, like, like you said, like with with Biz, I just you need an outlier performance. We're going to be neutral on on offense, so I think you're just asking for a lot. So it's yeah, I, I'm interested to see what happens, regardless. But um, yeah, it'll be. It's going to be a, an interesting game. It just sucks that injuries are playing such a big part in the series. Yeah, and speaking of injuries, the Lakers-Warriors game last night was marred by the fourth quarter Anthony Davis injury. We need to stop acting like Kevon Looney did anything dirty on this play, please, for the love of God. Like, what are we doing here? I, I just wanted to say that. Like, this is absurd that this is even a talking point. Uh, second... I have no idea what this series looks like if Anthony Davis isn't playing. I, I kind of – maybe I do, I guess, because it's going to be really hard oh, I I do. Think, for the I Lakers think to get stops. If, if Anthony Davis doesn't play in the next two games, I think it's over. Like, point blank period, yeah. I would take the Warriors, even with having to win two games. I think I would too, but we'll see. I think that, you know, it, it feels – like there's a lot being held close to the chest right now with Anthony Davis. And we'll see whether or not he plays. Uh, last night, it felt like the Lakers did not come out and defend at all uh, when I watched that game. It was just like, you know, I think they get what they give up like 70 in the first half, something like that. Yeah. And look, I mean, when you do that, you're probably not going to win many playoff games. And they end up giving up 125 or so, or 121 maybe over the course of the full game. They actually like figured it out a little bit late. But a lot of that was, you know, fourth quarter garbage time after Anthony Davis got hurt. So we'll see whether or not the Lakers have Anthony Davis. That just feels like the only thing worth saying about that series right now. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And then the final series 
is Miami and New York. We've talked a lot about this series as kind of, you know, not being that interesting because I just think Miami has like a real schematic advantage and has the two best players in the series, frankly, in Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Uh, I'll do respect to Jalen Brunson, who was absolutely phenomenal last night. He and Quentin Grimes play 48 minutes. The fact that Quentin Grimes is playing all 48 minutes coming off of that injury, shout out to him. Obviously had that play last night where he got drilled on that, like, probably a legal screen by Bam Adebayo and, you know, comes up limping and then still rips Jimmy Butler. Like that was the coolest play. I feel like I've seen in a long time. That was. Shout out Quentin Grimes deserves all the pub that he can get. Uh, yeah. I mean, where do you see that series going? Do you see this getting past six and going back to New York? I do not. Um, I, I mean, like Jimmy looked a little bit hobbled last night. Um, I don't want to take too much from that. Like, I think he's had a huge load this series, especially like you consider game two slash three. We weren't even sure he was going to play with, with what the ankle looked like at the end of that one game. I can't remember if it was two or three. It, my mind is so bottled right now. But um, point being, like, I think it's going to be fine. A lot of yesterday, like, mainly the Knicks, their their effort and execution was a lot better. They parsed down the rotation even more. Jalen Brunson and um, Quinn Grimes played 48 minutes, like – that was that was wild to watch. Um, I think to me that's the best shot that the Knicks are going to be able to throw. While also noting like the Heat shot terribly. I don't love just being like shot quality, but I do yeah. think that was a really big factor yesterday. Miami started getting stuff going towards the end, especially with Duncan Robinson coming in. Um, I'm pretty confident that the Heat are going to wrap this up, but I would like to be wrong. Because I have yeah. really enjoyed the Knicks this year, and I don't really want to see them bow out in an ugly way. So we will see. Okay. Ten minutes. We did it. We actually stuck to a time, and we figured it out. Good for us, Mark. Okay. Let's jump into the Wembenyama rankings now, as we're referring to them. So the process here is going to be we're going to give a little introduction on – I have some facts on, like, lottery history. I have some, you know, ideas on – I just want to – let people know again who Victor Wembanyama is and why he's so valuable. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about our criteria for how we or how I rank these 14 teams. I don't want to throw Mark into the 14 of it all. Uh, I will throw him in. I think you did like five, right? Yes. Yeah, no, I did. I did not go above and beyond for 14, but yeah. I did do five. So Mark did five. I did 14. We'll run through the bottom teams relatively quickly and then get up to the top teams and talk about them. Uh, okay. Let's start here with some lottery history. Uh, over the four years that we have seen lottery reform at this point. So if you remember five years ago now, uh, Adam Silver and the owners got together and decided that no longer are the worst teams in the league going to get a 25% chance at the first round pick. Uh, they're actually going to get down to 14%. And over the course of those four years, including the last three years, one of the top three teams that had a 14% chance to win the lottery won the lottery. So Orlando gets Paulo Bancaro in 2022. In 2021, 14% chance. Detroit Pistons, one of the worst teams in the league, get Cade Cunningham. In 2020, 14% chance. Minnesota Timberwolves, one of the worst teams in the league, get Anthony Edwards. 2019, the New Orleans Pelicans jump up from a 6% chance. I believe they were the eighth team 
uh, eighth worst team and they jump up all the way to number one. Most years we do get a team that jumps up into the top four from that, like, you know, five to 2% range, something like that. One of those teams in the bottom six or so. So it is working on some level, but what I will say here as well, the teams that have a 14% chance, the top three teams have something like a 42% chance basically to win the lottery every year, right? Uh, They have less than a 50% chance to win the lottery. So for us to have had three straight years of a 14% chance to win the lottery, win it feels a little bit uh, unlikely. Uh, And I wonder if we see a team kind of sky up from the bottom this year, not the bottom, but like, you know, the middle of the pack and kind of make it a little bit more interesting. God, I hope not for Detroit, Houston, San Antonio, Charlotte fans, but like, I I don't know. I feel like, I feel like this could be the year because we, we've had three in a row, right? Like we're due. That's not how stats work and that's not, not how odds work, but we're due. Yeah, it would be nice. Um, I'm interested to see what happens uh, with, I mean, Cleveland's not in the lottery, so any kind of number one overall pick shenanigans cannot happen. It feels like because uh, every single ounce of it has, has gone to them in the last uh, 20 years. It feels like, Um but yeah, I uh, I'm curious, like especially too, because like when you think about the level of player that Vic is, and if he went to like I like I don't think it's gonna happen, but like if he went to New Orleans, like that would be wild, man. In terms That'd of just crazy. pure, pure yeah. talent that that team would have, like I yeah, that would I don't know. It's 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 kind of wild to wrap, wrap your head around. Also, not worth wrapping your head around considering what the actual odds are for that happening. But they have a zero point yeah. five percent chance. And for what it's worth, I just want to make people clear. I see people in the comments already getting a little bit uh, disappointed that some of the teams at the bottom may not be ranked highly here. Uh, I tried so like the Pelicans. I'll spoil it. Like they rank number nine here. I tried to account for higher lottery odds ranking a little bit higher here in some respect, not like in a significant respect. There is one team that I've been very clear that I really want him to go to uh, that I ranked highly that has a, you know, that is in the bottom four teams. We'll talk about them momentarily, but I just want to be clear. I I tried to spread the wealth a little bit and, and tried to like, make sure that it's not the best teams, you know, getting the best player, even though they have like a 10% chance combined to do it. Okay. Uh, worth remembering just who Victor Wembenyama is. Mark, why is this lottery such a big deal? Who is Victor Wembenyama and why is he so highly sought after? Uh, Victor Wembenyama is like at worst – the best number one overall prospect of the last decade. So yes, that's, that's kind of a big deal. Uh, he's seven foot four. He moves like a gazelle. Um, he has a really advanced feel for the game that has only improved over the last year. Um, and more importantly too, like he's gone from like somebody who I thought, you know, this time last year, I looked at Vic as he was already a clear number one guy for me, but I looked at him as like, I think this guy could be one of the like an all-star level role player, like one of the like one of the best, if not the best room protector in the NBA who can play multiple coverages, 
who can shoot and you can hopefully like get more out of him offensively as it goes on to now, like throughout this year, I think that there is something we'll have to do on a future pod is parsing through, you know, what the season has been for him. Um, yeah. But I think like he's really dipped his toe into like doing shot creation stuff and being seven foot four and having a handle and being coordinated. And like, it's the kind of stuff that like you just, we've never seen anybody do it before. Like, People will yeah. say Kristaps, but it's not the same. Like Kristaps didn't have that level of uh, fluidity um, or coordination or ball skills. And like seeing that has been, I mean, to me, it's just, it makes it all that much more of a no brainer with where he's at. Yeah. So has been one of the best prospects in his age group for years upon years upon years now. Uh, like truly it is kind of similar to like a European LeBron James. Like people have been waiting for Victor Wembenyama for a long time and he has been highly hyped highly scouted to the point where there has been like a very real feeling that this is the guy this is a generational player if you go back through the history of guys that have been like quote-unquote generational bigs there aren't really any busts among them like you can go all the way back to like Wilt Chamberlain Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Bill Walton, uh, Ralph Sampson is maybe like the low end. And Ralph Sampson was like an all-star for the first three years of his career until injuries Mm -hmm. happened. He like won an all-star game. MVP was like unbelievably good. Uh, Then you keep going through history. Like you get to Arvidas Sabonis, you get to Shaquille O'Neal, Anthony Davis, you know, Yao Ming on some level, I think fits this billing, right? Like all of these guys, throughout the course of history. And I'm sure I'm missing, you know, a a couple of them, you know, Patrick Ewing, Akeem Olajuwon, you know, both highly sought after highly touted number one overall picks for sure. All of these guys went on to be like at the very least all-star level players until injuries hit them in some way, shape or form. Wembenyama is very different than all of these guys because he came up in a modern basketball ecosystem and environment he shoots threes like he takes guys off the bounce but like i think that there is a lot of a a lot of those guys in him uh in terms of like how good he is athletically how coordinated how fluid his feet are for how big he is uh it's he's an incredibly impressive prospect you know the one that i think you know jordan handelman brings up in the comments greg odin greg odin is probably the only one that really failed in terms of these you know quote-unquote generational bigs so whenever we talk about like busts and the potential for greg or for you know victor Wembenyama to be a bust it's relatively minimal based on history at the very least uh, and it will all be due to injury if it does unfortunately happen. Now, like skill set wise, I mean, probably the best shot blocking prospect to enter the NBA in a long time. I think he's literally doubling every other player in the French league right now in blocks per game. Uh, it, it's absolutely absurd. Uh, really good anticipation, pretty good in drop coverage, although can get the corner turned on him occasionally. Uh, doesn't really actually need to elevate to affect shots at the basket like can just stand there and just be have a 10 foot standing reach essentially and completely dominate the basket uh offensively i think that that is where i was worried most throughout the course of his early development 
But this year, he's just completely and utterly quelled all of those concerns and has become, you know, he's the leading scorer in the French League right now, a professional league that features numerous high-level professionals, features numerous, like, whatever you want to say, like, the all-conference, like, college basketball players. Those guys go over there and play and, like, play really well typically or in some cases don't play really well uh that's the level that the french league is it's quite high uh his ability to handle is unlike anything i've seen from someone who is a super giant uh has real crossovers has real shake like can play at pace can change speeds that's what makes him so special athletically it's the coordination and the bounce it's not necessarily the uh, you know explosiveness that he leaps off the ground with right uh you know, driving capabilities are there. Incredible finisher at the basket. Uh, I mean, look like if you want to complain in some way, like a bit of a high center of gravity, I guess, but like does play with pretty good bend. Like that's part of why he's such a good ball handler is because he has that ability to bend. So, uh, I mean, have I covered it all, Mark? Like he's leading the French league right now in points, rebounds and blocks. Like he's, you know, carrying, uh, Metropolitan's 92. I believe they're second in the French league right now as of the time of this recording. Uh, he's winning basketball games. He's played every game this year. That is, you know, one thing that's worth noting. Injuries early on in his career were handled very conservatively. I think it's worth saying, but also, you know, he suffered a few injuries last year. Like I think he had like a core muscle injury late in the year that ended up shutting him down. Uh, what else here? I'm looking through my notes. He had a. Uh, let's see, uh, had a, uh, right shoulder blade bone bruise that caused him to miss a month in December, 2021, uh, broke a finger in November, 2021. Uh, and then I think in December, 2020 suffered a stress fracture in his leg. So these things have happened with him. And I think it's worth noting, particularly it's worth noting. I will get this occasionally from scouts where they'll say, You know, this year he's playing a schedule that basically is like one game every six days or so. Last year for Asvel, the team he played for previously, which was a EuroLeague team, uh, he had a more onerous schedule where they played like 75 games or so over the course of a full season. And, you know, there is a question in some respect, I guess, of like how the body will hold up over that kind of wear and tear, which is more similar to an NBA season. So... With all of that being said, there is no team in the NBA that would not take Victor Wembanyama number one. I think he is the best prospect to enter the NBA since LeBron James. All due respect to Greg Oden, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Zion Williamson, et cetera, et cetera. At some point, I will do that story for The Athletic. Uh, yeah, this is – I think that is – that that's the best place to kind of lead into this, right? For sure. Okay. Uh, Mark, how did you go about – making your rankings what uh, your criteria a little bit of vibes um to be honest Love i it. think vibes definitely factors in heavily um but i think the biggest thing for me is i want to see him either i think like you know me i normally am very much gray area on things i like having nuance and minuteness to it but for me i looked at this at, at this either is i want to see him put in a place where he's going to succeed immediately and a defined role or I want him to go to a place where he can really just spread wings and find out what, what the hell he is. Um, mm-hmm. Not like, of course, like he's a number one overall pick. So it's not like, I think it's not going to be like that anywhere, but um, like there is like a real range for places that you're looking at. Like there are some places that 
already kind of have a defined ish number one option. Um, and so I feel like to me, not that I think part of what makes him so interesting is that you could legitimately see him slotting in and becoming like, okay, maybe this is like the third best offensive option on a championship team someday or like, at the other way, it's like, okay, well, maybe he's the first best option on like a 60-win team because he just ends up being that good. Yeah. And that's why I think to me it's just, there's just no in-between for it. Like I, I want to see something concrete or just complete mold of clay. Yep. Okay. My criteria was I tried to think about it from a star perspective because I think Victor Wembanyama can come in immediately and play a high-level impact role in the NBA. I tried to think about it from the perspective of is there a core that he can grow with, right? Like does this team have like a roster that makes sense around him in terms of being able to mature and like grow into his game while they grow into their game around him, basically like a younger core that really would work. Finally, organizational competence is like a big thing for me here. Uh, I want him to go to a spot where like I have faith in the people running the show long-term. Like, I think that those are the teams that have the best chance to build rosters long-term, basically, around Victor Wembanyama. This team's going to have probably nine years or eight years to build around Vic. So having that competence, having that uh, that organizational, just general confidence that I have in them played a big factor here. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So... When I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions, just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory 
to claim your account. NordVPN.com slash Game Theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So NordVPN.com slash Game Theory. Let's get started. Number 14, we're going to go bottom to top. Number 14, the Washington Wizards. Uh, I have no desire to see him go to the Wizards. It's my 14th. Uh, Wizards, well. yeah, the Wizards currently have no general manager. Uh, I think they have an acting general manager and John Thompson III, who was like a college basketball coach. Like Wait, John Thompson the th- How am I just now figuring this out? And what, yeah, was JT3. He, was I he think consulting like, for them or was he working in their front office? I think he was like kind of working for Monumental Sports sports more than okay. in like their front office um i, have I don't have a, yeah yeah i don't have a ton of faith in like ted leonsis and, and that group right now based off of what we've seen over the course of the last decade uh I, this team also is just a little bit older as well if you look at their actual core pieces like bradley beal Kristaps, you know these guys are in their primes already uh And none of them are like the real, you know, all NBA players, right? Like Bradley Beal's made an all NBA team, you know, I I think reasonably could make another one at some point, but he also, I think does not have like a crazy amount of time on his contract. Uh, Chris stops, obviously next to Vic is not an ideal fit. In my opinion, Kakuzma's hitting free agency this year. It's just the all around, not the best results in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the only positive thing I can say is that I want good things to happen to uh, Wizards fans. Like that friend, I mean, that fan base has kind of just gone through hell over the the last five or six years with, you know, John's injuries and um, the way that they've handled that franchise uh, since they last made a playoff. Well, a meaningful playoff appearance, I should say, in like 2016, 17. So, yeah. I, I'm just pretty out on that happening for them, though, because it, for everything that you laid out, this team is – and it's, it's so much less about the team. Like, I don't think that Tommy was an incredible front office exec, but also I think it's pretty well documented how much this really isn't on him. Like, you can only do so much as a as an, as an executive, same as what happened with the Kings for a really long time under Vivek. Like, if you have an owner who handicaps what you can do – there's not really a lot you can do about it. And as long as Ted Leonsis is owning the, the Washington Wizards, I think it's going to be a problem. Okay. And under the organizational competence corollary here as well, my number 13 is the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the Hornets are by far the team. I want him among teams at the top that have a real chance to get him. I, I just don't want him there, to be honest. Uh, th- this team under Michael Jordan has shown very little – in terms of just building a roster that like really truly makes sense. In my opinion, Uh, I don't think we've seen it from this group basically at all. Uh, I don't trust their front office really at all. I don't trust their evaluation uh, strategies. Like it feels like, uh, like, look, they've, I think they did hit on Mark Williams last year. Like I am generally a Mark Williams believer. I also just, uh, they hit on, you know, LaMelo Ball, obviously, as well. And they've hit 
on some other lower level players. Like they've drilled, you know, Cody Martin, for instance, is a valuable player, but like, I don't know. Like it, it feels like from a cap perspective, it feels like from, they've taken a lot of shortcuts, like, you know, going and getting Gordon Hayward was an attempt at a shortcut. Uh, you know, signing Kelly Oubre and Mason Plumlee, like, or trading for Mason Plumlee, like, those were like attempted shortcuts to me to try and like expedite this. And I worry that if Vic would go there, while I would really enjoy the Lamelo Ball Victor Wembanyama fit, and I think it'd be really fun, I worry about if they would just immediately try to take the shortcut. And that is my just absolute concern that I don't want to see, even though I think Vic can help you win sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, I think I agree. Uh, my, I, I will say like, it would be extremely fun to watch Steve Clifford build a defense around him. Yeah. Um, so I'm probably a little bit higher on them uh, with that regard, because I, I do think as much as this season sucked uh, for Charlotte, there was a lot better going on than in the year prior and even the year before that, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I think that that's those well, like, just... they, wasn't it? They, they won 43 games last year. Like they last were, they were pretty good. Last, yeah. They were pretty good last year. Wait, like you mean 2021, right? Or... No, tw- 2021, 22, the Charlotte Hornets won 43 games. Like that happened because oh, LaMelo right. made the all-star game. Remember? Oh yeah. I'm so, like, yeah. They were like, okay. Like, and then they get rid of James Borrego, who was running like a really fun, you know, free flowing offense. And look, I'm not saying that Borrego was like some incredible coach. I think he's fine. But like, I I, I don't know, man. Like, it just feels like there's so many moving pieces, so many moving parts. Obviously, you can't, if you're them, you can't anticipate the Miles Bridges situation occurring. Uh, you know, I, I don't know enough about Miles before this moment, you know, in terms of him as a human, m- maybe there was something there. I have no idea on that. But at the end of the day, I, I get that they were a little bit unlucky this year, but like you just look through their past trajectory, like even as a franchise, like they just haven't, they, there's never really been a point where they've been like, they've been good. Uh, unfortunately, it feels like. Uh, the, the, like the little stretch with Kemba and Al Jefferson, but even then, like that's, they were, that was a pretty weak East. They were punching above their weight a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I, I, think, I guess they pushed the heat in the playoffs that year. Like looking back, like they, I guess yeah, they, I mean, you know, pushed a seven game series against Miami that year. Yeah. Yeah. I think my bigger concern is more just what their ability to develop and identify, um, talent in, you know, the second round, not second round, in, in uh, their ability, ability to identify and develop talent in the lottery has just been a big problem. Um, yeah. Like, and I think, to be fair, I don't want to say too much, but, like, part of it is just, like, they have not done a good job at all of um, personalities, like meshing personalities in, in the organization. I think that's been pretty clear. Um, there's just, yeah, I, we, we can move on because we're in agreement here. Yeah, like, I mean, just looking back, since they've been the Bobcats, right, you know, you know, they get into the league 2004, 2005, I mean, like, they've won three playoff games in that time, Yeah, right? it was all in the same year, so it's like... Yeah, all in the same year, I mean, it's, yeah, no, it's going to be tough. I, I don't really trust them to build around Vic. Okay, number 12, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, 
while I'm intrigued by him going to a bigger market like Chicago, and by the way, the Bulls may not end up with their pick. It's worth stating as well. Uh, their pick goes to Orlando as long as it falls outside of the top four in this draft. Uh, there's a very real chance that this could end up being Orlando's draft pick. There's, you know, something like what a, uh, I would imagine what, like a 95% chance. No, it's 91 and a half percent chance. This pick goes to uh, the Orlando magic, but if they end up in the top four, this will be Chicago's pick, which means if they get the number one overall pick, Chicago is the team that gets Victor Wembanyama. The reason I have Chicago lower is because I feel like their core does not really align with Victor Wembenyama's like age range, basically. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Zach is not like older, older, but Zach does have some like tread on the tires at this point, just in terms of the knee issues that he's had a little bit here and there over the course of his career. He just turned 28 years old, not wildly older, but like a little bit. I I worry about how he will age uh, in some respect. DeMar DeRozan obviously is, I believe, 34. Uh, I think he turns 34 in August this year. And then beyond that, I mean, Nikola Vucevic is a free agent. The Pat Williams pick, I think, is still developing. Let's go with uh, and then it's like Iodasumu, Alex Caruso, Kobe White, while also being a little bit capped out moving forward. Not a great situation, I think, for Wembenyama to end up in. Yeah, I think for me, um, I'm probably a little bit higher just because I, like you mentioned, I think with Chicago being a place that when they're better can draw free agents, um, like I, I have confidence in that. But I'll also, I'm just kind of at the point of, until Jerry Reinsdorf sells the, sells the team, I don't really want anybody to go to Chicago. Um, so I respectfully, like I, I feel bad for my friends who are um, Chicago Bulls fans. Um, I would like, I think what he could do raising their ceiling would be really fun. Like, I think uh, I'm very interested to see what they do with Vooch this year, because that is a sneakily, like a massive decision for them um, in yeah. what they do or don't do with him. Um, I think more so than anything with, with Levine and DeMar. Um, and like, I, I think even if you're just like, just adding Vic to, let's say if, if they re-signed Vooch, which I don't think is ideal. If, if they just added Vic to what this group was this last year, like that team is like pretty comfortably a playoff team to me. Um, yeah. So I think like, especially with how they like to play defensively, I think like that you're cooking with grease with that. Um, but, but, but you're mean, cooking with grease. For like no, the first exactly. four years, exactly. and then you have to completely rebuild again. For sure, but like I think I look at it too. Like I don't mind. Uh, like I, I, I don't know. Like I don't mind having that. Like I like the idea of him getting playoff tested early, even if it's not like deep playoff runs or whatever. Um, just getting those reps, getting those opportunities. Um, it's harder to do. It's more for me as like an analyst. I like that. I think it's a lot harder to do as an organization because like okay you do that right away. And then it's like, well, what happens if we dip down and when yep. our core ages out around him? Like, I think that is a bigger question, but it's always harder to thread that needle or whatever, but um, it, it would be interesting. But yeah, I think I'm, I'm generally lower on them too. Yeah. Uh, number 11 for me, the Toronto Raptors. Now this is just in part because a, they're a little bit lower on the, potential that this could actually happen. Like they have a 1% chance to end up with Victor Wembanyama, And I accounted for that a little bit here. 
The reason they're lower, though, is largely just because they have so much uncertainty this summer in terms of their organizational direction long term, right? I actually love the idea of Victor Wembanyama next to Scotty Barnes. I think that would really actualize Scotty Barnes in a way that he really needs. Uh, I like the idea of going super long, aggressive. He is the ideal and the embodiment of Project 6ix9ine or whatever, you know, Raptors fans are calling it now, right? Uh, he accepts he's project seven, seven, four, seven, five, whatever he is. So that piece of it would be really interesting. I just kind of bumped them down a little bit simply because they have a 1% chance of getting him. And I want to account more higher in these rankings for some of the teams that I think have a real chance. Also worth noting though, Fred Van Vliet, free agent, Gary Trent, free agent, OG and situation seems to be hitting a real, inflection point let's go with in terms of whether or not he moves this summer so largely this is due to actual lottery odds but they do also have some real questions moving forward yeah uh and i think too like i want to see him play alongside a pretty strong guard um and with it looking kind of unlikely that fred's going to be back um is it i I would just be it, it seems like it to me i could be wrong on that that's my read i am not optimistic that it's happening Maybe like I feel like it's more likely that a sign and trade happens than um than him actually returning. But I can't I don't know, maybe that's different with Nick gone now because that yeah. But um I don't know. Regardless, like I I think I would probably I mean I'm in the same boat. I'm I'm fairly low on him going to Toronto. I just want to see them like they're the team that I would love to see like somehow get scoot. That would be like really fun. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be really fun. If they were on the scoot rankings, they'd be very high to me. Yeah. They'd be very, very high. Okay, Uh, the number 10 team is the Utah Jazz. And I think this is where we enter a tier where I actually feel bad having the Jazz this low because I quite like this Jazz front office. I think they've done a pretty good job of identifying and evaluating talent. I think they've done a really good job of uh, making smart trades. Obviously, the Rudy Gobert move uh, has really, really helped them. They have a ton of asset capital moving forward. I just don't love like the current talent on the roster in terms of like a fit next to Vic at the end of the day. Like, and some of them like don't have a lot of time left on their contracts. Right. So like Lowry is in an interesting circumstance now where, you know, he is under a deal that I think is like for three or two more years at 35 million. And I actually wonder if, that number and that contract is so low that you're actually going to be able to try and extend him. Uh, like you might not be able to even under the new CBA, like he might cost more than what is it? I think it'd be like 26, $27 million in terms of the first year extension number that he can agree to uh, under the new collective bargaining agreement, where it's 140% of the final year on the contract. Uh, so like, I worry a little bit about that. Uh, I worry about just the rest of the guys currently on this roster. And also like they have Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler is probably their second best asset moving forward at this point. Right. And if your second best asset is like a true center, I worry a little bit about your fit with Wembenyama. I think this jazz, if they end up with him, I think they'd figure it out. They have a million assets moving forward and they'd be fantastic. I think basically there isn't a bad fit moving forward. They're just a little bit lower for me. Yeah, I think part of it's just that 
like like you mentioned, like Lowry was really exciting and interesting this year. The idea of them as a as a front court tandem is actually that could be really cool. Yeah. Um I just the the rest of their roster is such a blank slate to me. Um yeah. that I'd be really interested to see, you know, where that goes. And part of what's interesting about Walker playing as well as he did his rookie year, and I'm not that I'm advocating for this, but like I think that like you're automatically getting a return of value that's going to be bigger than what it was for what you gave up for him in in making the pick. Um, so I do wonder because like I feel like we've we've there I, I can't even like think him off the top of my head of like prime examples, but I feel like there have been guys who um, performed super well their rookie year, and if you flip them earlier, it probably nets you more return than than what happens after playing out the rest of a rookie contract. So. Um, not saying that that's what's going to happen. I don't love using that terminology, but along those lines, I think that there is, it's interesting if that somehow happened, but it's just like far away from actually happening. Yeah. It'd be interesting uh, what they would do with like, would they play super big? Cause they played super big this year at times. Like they were happy to play Olenek, Lowry and Kessler together at times. Uh, would they just try and play super big with Vic? I don't know, but that, it's, it's an interesting, th- th- there is not a bad fit among this top 10, in my opinion, Vic is so good. And I think there would be really, really fun groups that would make this intriguing, but Utah just being such a blank slate ended up kind of falling a little bit lower, even though I also do I, like, I trust, you know, Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, like their front office. I think they do a pretty good job. And I think that they would figure all of this out with all of the many assets they have moving forward. Okay. Uh, number nine, I downgraded the Pelicans here again, as I mentioned at the top, just because they have a 0.5% chance to actually end up with Vic. Having said that, there is no, there's only one player in the front court that I would be more excited to watch with Victor Wembanyama than Zion Williamson. Like I, I would need, I need to see that. It'd be amazing. The Pelicans would be an incredible fun spot for him. Pairing him with Zion, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, this team probably immediately becomes a title contender, if we're being honest. I, I look, I just downgraded them because they have a 0.5% chance to get him. Yeah, no, I think that's all fair. Um, in my like hypothetical dreamland scenario of a team getting him, it's it's them. Like I think yeah. uh that would be fantastic for a team that is like, and I know some people probably disagree with this, but I think for me. Like, no team has been hurt more by injuries, it feels like, in the last – at least in my lifetime, when I've really been connected with basketball, uh, like, since, like, 2013-14. It's really hard to to find an an organization that's been absolutely slaughtered more by injuries than them. Like, the way that things worked out during the 80 years, like, a lot of that goes back to what their front office did or didn't do. Um but also, like, okay, you look at what happened with Tyreek Evans there, what happened with Eric Gordon there. Like, injuries just always popped up and were such an issue. Even with Drew, like, Drew dealt with injuries when he was there. Um, you, you Obviously, AD's slew of injuries, like, all this stuff with Zion now. Um, I really would love to see that get course-corrected by the, the basketball gods, but it does not seem super likely. And hopefully that just happens through, um, you know, things writing out this next year for them. Yeah. Number eight, the Orlando Magic. Uh, the Magic on their face seem like the ideal organization for Victor Wembanyama because they love these guys that are super long, super athletic, you know, uh, shot creators, you know, good defenders, etc. Right. 
you can go back through their draft history. They love selecting these guys. <laughs> they take, you know, Jonathan Isaac. They take Mo Bamba. They take, uh, you know, Franz Wagner's, you know, enormous positional size, right? Uh, Paulo Bancaro, six foot, six foot ten shot creator, right? Uh, go back through their history. You will continue to find it. Chuma Okiki. They valued Bull Bull as uh, a player to try and acquire, like. Wendell Carter was acquired. Uh, Markel Fultz was acquired. Like these guys all have super long arms, some like some real latent basketball skill and, you know, real, not in all of their cases, athleticism, but in most cases, they're very, 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 very high level athletes. They just have a lot of them right now, and it feels very cluttered if we add another Victor Wembanyama in there. I would be very intrigued by a Franz Wagner, Paulo Bancaro, Victor Wembanyama front court, but it would require you have to move Jonathan Isaac, you have to move Wendell Carter, you have to move you know X, Y, and Z guys. It feels like at that point, and you can do that. Like you have, you're more than capable of doing it. Those guys, you know, certainly Wendell Carter at least has value. It just feels very cluttered, kind of, if you add Vic to the mix compared to some of these other potential teams. Yeah, no, I agree. I I have them a lot higher just because of the I the fun like factor. To, yeah, I would like to see it. Uh, <laughs> that like the the idea of throwing out a lineup where you have like Paolo, Franz, Vic, and insert whoever the fuck else you want to like that. Yeah, that's wildly fun to me. I love what that could yeah. be. Um. Because I have, I mean, we've just never seen anything like that before. Like that's just no. different. And um, so, yeah, I, I think I, I had them finishing at fourth for me. Yeah. No, like I said, we're in that range now where I think there is no, there's no wrong answer anymore mm-hmm. uh, for where you want Vic to end up. Number seven, I went with the San Antonio Spurs almost entirely on an organizational competence idea. Uh, this roster is largely a blank slate outside of like Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, Jeremy Sohan. Uh, I- I'm not quite as high on Malachi Branham as some people are. Uh, I get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know yeah, that sure. you're a big fan. Um, yeah. And obviously Blake Wesley's a first round pick last year. I'm not quite as high on him either. I think I had him as like a late first round grade last year. I had Malachi at like 20 last year. And I think like where they took him is totally reasonable. And I think he's going to be like a very good long-term player. He just might be like a sixth man as opposed to like, you know, great starting caliber shooting guard. Although that ceiling entirely exists and I acknowledge it. Um, If he can continue to improve defensively and as a decision maker, (laughs) Daniel Garrett, OSU hater, uh, Sam Vecini aside, Went on the Mark Titus show this week. Uh, Titus and I have this long running bit where he continues to think that I don't acknowledge my Ohio State uh, fandom and the fact that I went to Ohio State and have like a real history at the university. I love the school. I just want to be clear. I love Ohio State. Shout out Columbus. Beautiful, beautiful city. One of my favorite places in the world. Just don't always shout it out from the rooftops, you know? I apologize. <laughs> the people but, are prepared for EJ Liddell's uh, amended rookie year coming up. God, I hope so. That'd be great. Shout I out EJ. Yeah, he's so um, but yeah, the Sohan Wembenyama mix would be something like I desperately would want to see. Devin Vassell uh, obviously has turned into like a really solid two-way guard, you know, continuing to grow and mature as a 
on ball player at a really high level. I like, you know, Kelton Johnson continues to kind of ride the roller coaster for me a little bit, just in terms of the shooting as much as anything. I think he really has to become a little bit more efficient to that. Uh, look, I think that it'd be really fun to see Vic end up in San Antonio. And by the way, great track record of bigs in San Antonio under Greg Popovich, right? You know, going from David Robinson to Tim Duncan, you know, hopefully now, you know, for San Antonio's fans sakes, Victor Wembanyama would be pretty cool. Yeah. Part of what I like about the idea of him, because I have San Antonio third, part of what I love yeah. about the idea of him to San Antonio is getting to just have that blank slate a little bit and kind of getting to be the, not, not quote unquote, the guy stepping in. Like I think there are guys who would have more usage or whatever, but I think with that roster, part of what is still learning to me about them is that they have a lot of interesting potential talent. Uh, while also having a lot of archetypes that can all kind of play together without really having uh, a, a, a like a, a straight up go to because I, I don't think Kelvin is that um, I'm I've been on this for a long time. I'm higher on Devin than I I met Devin is the guy on the roster that I'm most high on out of anybody. Yeah. And I like Sohan a lot. And I think him and uh, Vic could be interesting. There's just a lot to be interested about. The only thing that keeps them lower for me is. I just would like him to be able to go somewhere that isn't automatically automatically connected to, oh, Tim Duncan, oh, David Robinson, like you just mentioned. Like mm-hmm. having him be able to go somewhere kind of – obviously he's creating his own name and legacy, legacy regardless, but like, man, I don't care. Like The, the only thing that makes them lower for me personally uh, and why I dropped them to seven is Greg Popovich is not going to be around for the entirety of Victor Wembanyama's career. He probably won't be around for like – you know, year five of Victor Wembanyama, you would think, right? So what does this organization look like without Greg Popovich? I think is a real question. You know, R.C. Buford, Brian Wright, those guys in the front office, you know, they've done an okay job. You know, R.C. has done a great job. We'll see what the newer regime of the front office looks like moving forward. I think they've done pretty well uh, since Brian Wright took over as general manager. But I would like to know a little bit more about the organizational direction without Greg Popovich, which is why they come in at seven. Yeah. Okay. Number six, Mark, your Indiana Pacers. Uh, Explain to me why you love the Indiana Pacers for Victor Wembanyama. I want to give you the floor on this because you are a Pacers guy. Yeah, I have them five. Uh, So I think just mainly it's just him and Halbert together. Yes. (laughs) I like that. That's really it. Um, I think – I probably and probably why I'm higher on them in general than I think maybe a lot of people would be for the potential fit is that um, like I as as much as the organization has been somewhat frustrating in the last couple of years, um, you know, ever since Paul got injured, I think that they've really struggled with some stuff. Um, but I do think that they have really turned a leaf and turned a corner. And also like, this is still very much like the same front office from the early two thousands, like not front office, but brain trust, I should say. Um, and ideology to a degree. And I think that this is a group that if they have the talent, they're going to be willing to really be consistent and build around that. And I like that. Um, I think that that would be really enticing. And just the idea of having, I mean, Hal Burton and, and Victor would be the best two man pairing that they've ever had. Like, yeah, which, that and Rick Carlisle would understand how to get the most out of them. I think that Carlisle is a phenomenal basketball coach that having that like institutional knowledge, I think would really be excellent for Wembenyama as well. Yeah, no, that'd be really fun. I would love to see that. 
would help out a lot defensively for it to kind of take away some of the flaws that they have. Um, <laughs> I would be very That's- interested. Oh yeah. As I good. pop this up on our screen yeah. uh, from Jacob Levengood, I uh, feel like Wembenyama could really clean up some of the Halliburton, Ben Matherin defensive concerns. I need and, them to clean uh, it up first. Uh, like, <laughs> cause that was, yeah, the Ben's he, Ben was probably a top. If you're, if you're doing like guys who played 500 minutes or more, Benedict might've been the worst perimeter defender in the league this year. Like, I thought he was really bad. That's really why, bad. like, Pacers fans like really got on me when I did the redraft this year or this week, and I had Matherin at ten. He's really, really rough defensively. Like, it, it is a mess on that end right now. And it, by the way, with him, it's been a mess going back to Arizona. Like, this is not like there was a rookie adjustment. He got called three and D all the time in pre-draft stuff, and that yeah, was no. like we. I would like to see it because I have not. Um, He's athletic in three, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful. You know, we'll see what, what happens. I still think that he's going to be really good, but um, yeah. Regardless, interesting fit. Um, I had, just to, to clarify, because now that we're in my top five, I had Houston sixth. I, okay. like, I just, it, I would so much rather see Scoot go to Houston than, than Wemby. Um, so let's talk about Houston, because I have Houston at five. Okay. So this will be good. I have the Houston Rockets at number five. I am very much intrigued by the idea of a Wembenyama, Shangun, Jabari Smith front court. I'm very much intrigued by pairing those guys with uh, certainly Jalen Green in the back court. I am also thinking that the upgrade from Steven Silas to Ime Yudoka will be enormous. Uh, I think Steven Silas was probably the worst coach in the NBA last year. Sorry, Steven. Um, he was really, really bad. The, the decisions that he would make night after night were maddening. The accountability factor was very, very real. It was insane. Drove me nuts. Um, I'm a little bit worried, like about giving him to like the Fertitas <laughs> and like them consistently building a winner around him. The thing is that they already have this organizational infrastructure of young dudes that are pretty good where I like to think that it would be like unfuck upable on some level. Like they still need one more guy, I think even beyond Vic. But the other thing is that like they have a shit ton of cap space this summer too. They could like really invest and figure out how to make this roster work. Well, I'm, I'm in on Vic to Houston. Like I know that a lot of people like, I've talked to like a lot of people like within league circles that are like, God, I hope that like Houston doesn't end up with Victor Wembanyama, um, just because of like the org- like the perception of the organization wide stuff. I think is maybe a little bit worse than it is internally in terms of like how they feel about it. it it's just, I feel like. I feel like we can find some better spots at the same time, and I'm not uncomfortable with Vic there. I really like the idea of mixing him with some of the talent they already have. And I think Yudoka will be big. I also just think there are better fits. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I would just, um, I think it's fine. I just like, kind of like you're mentioning. I, I don't really like, I, I would like him to go to a much better playmaking team. Like just a team yeah. that has better floor of passing. Like somebody mentioned in the comments, like they have a lot of cap space. 
I'll just be interested to see what they actually do with it and what that looks like. So I think it, it's, it always sounds better in principle than it ends up being most of the time. Um, yeah. Especially with where they're at as a team right now. I just, I don't know who, what vet is like, I'm going to go sign in Houston. Um, I don't know. Like that'll <laughs> could, could end up being wrong, but I, I am curious to see what that looks like. Um, so yeah. Well, let's acknowledge, let's acknowledge the James Harden rumors that have been persistent. Right. Like that is a thing that has been out there. I don't know if that's real or not. Um, It it is something that has been noted in the media. Let's go with though, uh, about James Harden potentially going back to Houston. Uh, I I actually do kind of agree with this on some level from jet. I feel like a lot of people say Houston is mess and their only explanation for how is that they heard people around the league say Houston is a mess and that it's circular. I do agree with that. Uh, I think a lot of the mess this year was not front office driven. I think it was genuinely like that coaching staff was not very good. And I think that they will be better, better served by a different staff being there uh, that hopefully can hold some of these younger guys accountable. And it's just really hard when you have a lot of young guys like all together at once. So Mm. I'm not as, I'm not as big of a like, Oh my God, this, the rockets are a mess guy as everybody else is, I guess. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think that there was definite stuff that you didn't want to see coming out of there. But also, I think it's worth noting how many organizations are not saying that every organization is a shit show, but you can find not great stuff on every organization that they're dealing with. So, yeah, um, it's no basically nowhere is perfect. Is the best way to put it. That's right. Okay, number four, the Detroit Pistons. Uh, this is solely based on who they have on this roster. <laughs> um, I would love to watch Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Victor Wembanyama actions for the next seven years. Like des- like that would be amazing to me. Uh, watching Cade and Vic just think through like ball screens for that long would be the coolest environment for him to end up in. Uh, the reason that they are not number one is I am deathly terrified that Troy Weaver and this, you know, whoever they end up with as a coaching staff but Troy Weaver particularly because he keeps signing these guys, I would be terrified that they would try to run out a lineup of like Victor Wembenyama, one of Isaiah Stewart or Marvin Bagley, and then Jalen Duran. Like I'd be terrified they're going to try and play Victor Wembenyama as a three. I, I, I don't see that. Like maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being too optimistic. I just kind of doubt that happens. Um, that would be kind of hilarious because uh, like just the idea of like seeing uh, how much you can mess around defensively um, or just having size, not necessarily defensively, just having that much size. Like that's interesting, but I do want to say like, I, so I have Detroit number two because the idea yeah. of like, you mentioned Caden Ivy, but I was like, imagine Jalen Dern and Victor Wembanyama getting to play together like that. Because I love Jalen Duran. You love Duran. I'm like a li- I'm like ambivalent on Duran a little yeah. bit. I think part of like it's a it's a double edged sword a little bit because I think to me, I really want to see a team start to empower Jalen as a passer because I think they did it times last year. I think that's something that if you're going to get the most out of him, you're going to do more of that because he can like he really has some ability to do that. Um, His some like I, I think that it's very latent, and I think it's something that. He has a real chance to develop over the course of the next few well, yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. I think that part of like, that's why I'm like, I mean, he was the youngest. It's just, not there not yet, the though. In the NBA last year. Yeah. So I'm like, when I look at him, 
Yeah. Like it's been stuff that he's shown over the last couple of years. I want to see a team really try and rep that out and get more of it from him. This is my point. But like, um, I also very much disagree with the idea that Jalen's just a rim running big, but I, uh, yeah, I actually but, don't think he's a great rim runner right now, to be honest. I think yeah. that like in ball screens, uh, he needs to dive harder to the basket consistently. Uh, a lot of the time, what I see from him is he's a great offensive rebounder, crushes the offensive glass, and then also, uh, you know, does do some of that like playmaking from the high post and things like that. And he can rim run, obviously, but more than anything, I think he's good in the dunker spot and is good as like an offensive rebounder at the moment. Well, yeah, um, I think part of what makes it fun is you just it's not even like obviously you want to see more stuff develop from him. But my thing is more, OK, you have a guy who has a fairly decent feel for the game who moves incredibly well at his size and it's the same thing with Victor and you have those two guys together. Like I think to me, like with what Jalen showed defensively already um, and you put those, I think like it's potential defense. He still needs to work on it, on his drop defense for sure. A lot of it was who was in front of him to me. Like yeah, I think a lot that of it I agree was, with. was in front of yep. him. Um, what he already showed is somebody who can really be an impactful rim protector who obviously has room to grow again. Like I think when you put, the idea of putting those two together is incredibly enticing to me. Um, and having Cade, like, I think what that opens up for Cade is like awesome. Um, like having Victor paired alongside somebody who's going to be a top five to 10 passer in the NBA his entire career. Like, yeah, that's pretty awesome to me. I'm very in on that. And then you add in Jaden Ivy, who is like, like that. I mean, just like the sheer difference in kinds of guys you have who yes. all have potential to be like, the peak of what they do is really fun. Um, I would definitely want to see them change up a lot of their supporting cast for sure. But I mean, that's, they're in that stage. That's what they do. Yeah. I think I'm a little lower on Duran's defensive, like anticipation stuff than you are. Uh, I think that like some of the weak side rim protection stuff wasn't awesome this year. I thought he was a little bit late on a lot of those. Uh, I thought the drop was a little bit of a mess this year. I totally agree with you that, the guys that were in front of him were even a bigger issue than he was for sure. Um, yeah, I like Jalen. I like Jalen. Like I think he's like definitely a starting center long-term, like no question that that's my, like I'm trying to figure out is the ceiling, like is it Andre Drummond? Is it, oh, I think the ceiling's better than that. Um, is it like, something I more think, than that? Like, I think he can, I think he'll be a better offensive player. And also, well, uh, I th- yeah, I think it could be a better offense. Andre got to the point where he could also really pass, though, and like could play in dribble handoffs and could like yeah. do a lot of that stuff by the end of his career. Well, I think I think he'll be a better defender than Andre, like pretty yeah, because um, Andre was like just never a good rim protector. Like he got blocks, but it wasn't like he was never really deterring people yeah. and did could really bad in space. Foot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, and I think one thing I do want to bring up to you because uh, Mr. Loki 01 said no spacing issues for Detroit question mark. Part of what I like about that is that I do think like I honestly think that it would be better for their spacing to have Vic and Jalen than some of the stuff that they ran out this year when they had four smalls on the perimeter. Like their actual ability to attack the shooting that, that they could put together sometimes was so minimal that it just didn't matter. Like I think that's something that we see with uh, with the Celtics a little bit right now. Not it's it's very different, obviously, but like think of it in the terms of okay, the Celtics run a ton of guys who are and Nikaias Duncan and Steve Jones. We're talking about this on on Old Man the Three today. Like 
part of the issue for the Celtics is like, okay, we have all these guys who can dribble, pass, and shoot, but they're the same size. So what if we just switch it? Like you have to have some counters and ability to do things that aren't just the one pinnacle thing. And I think, especially as we've seen offensive rebounding become more in vogue, um, like the for instance, like the Knicks this year, I believe had one of the highest offensive rebound percentages that we've seen in like the last decade. Like that is really ratcheted up. It's not just a we need to spread the floor. I think people are starting to figure out how to use size a lot better instead of the initial wave that we saw in the last decade in the Golden State boom of like, oh, well, let's just spread the floor. Like, okay, yeah, you got to spread the floor, but it's got to be balanced. Um, so I do think that there's a lot of intrigue, intrigue in, in having double big lineups. It just has to be the right ones. Okay. Number three, I have the Dallas Mavericks. I do not. I have the Dallas. Yeah. I, no, I do not. <laughs> Watching Luka Doncic and Victor Wembanyama would be like world breaking, I think. Period. Period. End of statement. Like, what does Dallas desperately need? They need front court size and rim protection. What does Victor Wembanyama provide? He brings all of that and more. Like, what could they use in the front court? Another shot creator to play next to Kyrie and Luca. Boom, right there. Victor Wembanyama. This is like a very real potential dynasty if they don't fuck up building the pieces around Luca and Victor Wembanyama. I think my thing right now, like from a watchability standpoint and what that would mean talent wise, I'm so there. Like for all of my friends who are Dallas Mavericks fans, hell yes, I would love that for them. I just am so much I like I'm not very high on the Mavs organization, if we're being completely honest. Like Oh, you shouldn't be. They're they're yeah. sneaky, sneaky mess. Well, <laughs> I think it's like a real thing. That's why I wouldn't be a very big fan of it, um, just from from that aspect. Um I I think they're a lot closer to having to make a new coaching decision soon um than we felt like it was gonna be a couple months ago. Um I just don't really trust them to make good decisions right now um, because they haven't like when, when like obviously the Luca pick has been fantastic, but um, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just not super in on that. Like they're a top 10, but I'm not very high. So like, here's the thing. It's almost impossible. I think to fuck up Luca and Wembenyama, especially when you also have Kyrie. Like, I, I think it's actually impossible to fuck that up because We're seeing it right now with the Lakers, right? The Lakers entirely fucked up this roster heading into the season. And you still have all of the ability, even with limited pick capital, to go out and just change the trajectory of your team in the middle of a season just by getting different role players and shaking up the core a little bit. Like, when you have Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving, Victor Weminyama, all of them can shoot, all of them can handle the ball – Certainly Luca and Kyrie can pass. I think that's like maybe the one part of Vic's game that like is like 10% shaky at times is like the passing ability, making reads. I think he's going to be really good at it eventually. It's just that right now, like you can see like sometimes the gears turn a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put like any defensive three and D guys like around them and it's going to work. You basically just need defense at that point. And you can find those guys. Like I think you can, I think you can find your Jared Vanderbilts. You can find, you know, your Dorian Finney-Smiths. Like seriously, just go draft like Emmanuel Miller at that point, and be like, okay, we're going all in on like switchable defense, and like hopefully Emmanuel Miller learns to shoot 
at that point, right? Like, I think that those guys are easier to find than anybody else. And when you're going with Luca, Kyrie, Wembenyama, it actually is genuinely impossible to fuck up, I think. Yeah, that's that's fair. But also, like, I just <laughs> – I'm probably lower on that because I I feel like even in my lifetime, I've seen so many things that I felt were impossible to fuck up that have been fucked up. Um, so – I don't know. I'm just, I'm lower on that. Yeah. Yeah. And the vibes, you did your list off of vibes and that's an important part of it. Yeah. Okay. Number two, the Oklahoma city thunder. Uh, I moved them down to two mostly because the only reason I moved them down to two is because they only have a 1.7. You and I have the same number one, by the way, to win. I love it. It's great. Uh, Oklahoma city. I desperately would, enjoy seeing the you know chet holmgren victor Wembenyama front court that nobody would be able to score on on the interior just straight mm-hmm. up you'd have no chance you'd get to see shea gilgis alexander and vic which would be unbelievable you'd get to see josh giddy just dropping dimes all over the place for vic this is like the ideal like most fun in terms of fun this is the number one spot, I think. Like, no questions asked. Again, I ranked the top team at number one largely because they have quite literally a 10% better chance or, or a 10 times better chance of getting him than this. Yeah. Um, I would be extremely in on seeing it. It kind of like, in some ways, would feel like the quote unquote, um, like capstone of everything that they've done over the last couple of years um, to get here. I still like, I, I think it's fine. Like I, I, it would be very fun, but I just like, it almost feels like an embarrassment of riches in some ways. Um, so I don't know entirely, but yeah, I, I mean, I think it, again, it would be very cool, especially from a basketball standpoint of like the only thing that they've really been missing that like they need shooting and they need a true big. And that's really it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it would be very, it it would complete a lot of things for them. Yeah. And like, by the way, didn't even mention Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams is a stud. Jalen Williams is a future, like they have five future max guys at that point. If they end up with Victor Wembenyama, it's a absolutely just disgusting group of, okay, here's my, by the way, I will, by the way, top five, if they do a (laughs) rebrand, do a rebrand. And I will, I will, uh, I will be fine with it. No, like it's obviously not. Not saying I have to change up being the Thunder, but get some new jerseys, man. I hate these jerseys. Like uh, Tyler Nevins. <laughs> Seriously, it looks like a NASCAR car. That's what they're like. They oh like, my god, the stripes down the side remind me of all the time. That's amazing. Uh, Tyler Nevins asks, does OKC have the draft capital no. to move up from number two to number three or, or number three for Wembenyama at number one? I think the answer is no. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody has that kind of capital this year to be able to move up from number two to number one for Vic. Ultimately, you go up and you try and you're trying to find Victor Wembenyama's uh, by acquiring draft capital. That is the entirety of trying to acquire draft capital. I think there is no chance that any team will trade the number one overall pick this year. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's see. Uh, is there anything else I have to say about Oklahoma City? Oh, yeah, they have five max guys. The other thing about this would be they 
the way that the new collective bargaining agreement is going to work, you're going to be able to pay your guys, but it's going to be harder to acquire talent around them after you pay your guys, basically. If you have all the guys and you have all the draft picks, you're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just, you're just kind of good at that point. So, and that's what they, that's the position they would be in. Uh, okay. Number one, I said the Portland Trailblazers. So did I. Part of this is vibes. To be honest, part of this is vibes. Uh, I would love to see Damian Lillard rewarded for not asking for a trade, for years of service in Portland, for every single thing he's gone through with that organization. Damian Lillard, by the way, probably coming off of the best individual season of his career, in my opinion was unbelievable this season. It was absolutely unbelievable this season playing for a Portland team that was an absolute mess around him. Uh, you figure if you get Wembenyama, you probably retain Jeremy Grant at that point. You have Shaden Sharp, who I think has enormous upside. We saw some flashes of that later in the season this year. You still have Anthony Simons, obviously. The thing this team is desperately needed is like a real rim protector because uh, Yusuf Nurkic ain't it. Victor Wembanyama to Portland would be absolutely incredible. Why do you have them at number one? Uh, for a lot of the same reasons. I think um, I do hate that it would be kind of a bailout card in some ways for the front office. Um, and it's not even this isn't it's not this front office's fault. It'd be last front offices to a degree with how they've done things. But um, I just like saying Dame deserves it is a, that's a bridge too far for me. He's chosen to be there. That's his prerogative. Um, but, like, I want to see his career get to extend gracefully and, and finish out in Portland, especially yeah. with how good he was this year. Um, like, because, I mean, like, again, and well, considering that I did go off vibes a little bit, the idea, like, that team, I really do think the team, if Brandon Roy hadn't gotten hurt, that that team really does damage, becomes something special in the West. Obviously, he has to deal with the progressive knee issues. They draft Dame after LaMarcus becomes who he becomes, who I think LaMarcus to me in his prime was like the the, the perfect number two option. And like yeah. you never quite got to the like Dame being at his full heights when when LaMarcus was there because obviously, you know, LaMarcus ends up going to San Antonio and, and doing what he does in his career there. And um, I feel like there – I just see the window of like with how good Victor is – and what he would do for what like that fit is, and if they just make a couple tweaks around that, like I think that's a, that could be a top four team in the West next year, if things yeah. like really hit right. Um, yeah, and I, uh, I I just I love the idea of that. That would make me happy. Part of it is also just like a vibes standpoint for me as well in terms of this organization has been snake bit by injuries throughout its history, right? You know, Bill Walton, you know, they win a title with Bill Walton, but like the reason that ends is because Bill Walton continues to get injured, unfortunately. Uh, You look at the Brandon Roy injury, unfortunately. It's another prime example of a guy that was cut down before we really got to see his best. Greg Oden, you know, obviously another example, a guy we brought up earlier, didn't really ever get to see him take off in the NBA at all outside of like a 20-game stretch at one point. I believe in his second or third season. It would be awesome to see Portland in those fans who are amazing, get rewarded. I think uh, mm-hmm. in a real way on top of Dame getting rewarded for, you know, look, I agree with you. Like, I don't know if Dame like deserves it. You, you're probably right about that, 
but I also have no problem rewarding a guy for staying loyal. Oh yeah, know? no, I didn't mean it like you that. Know what I, I mean? just meant like I do think like <clears throat> that somebody in the media would see this and be like, ah, oh, you know, like this is this is just like retribution for Dame choosing to be here. I'm like, I don't think it's that. You know, it's it's not. That's like a little too fairy tale bullshit for me. Um, but like, I do think that it would be cool to see him. Like, I would so much rather see him get to stay out in Portland and have things really hit right. Because like you mentioned, like, I, I just think more so like, I would rather praise somebody for being loyal than um, shit on somebody for wanting to go somewhere else. Like, yeah, I think that it tends to be way too much of the using praising somebody for staying to, to tear down people who left without accounting for reasons why they left. Um, so that's, that's all I mean. Like, I, I think like, I just, I would not love some of those talking point narratives, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mark, we've, we've done it. So just to run through the rankings, number one, Portland, number two, Oklahoma city, number three, Dallas, number four, Detroit, number five, Houston, number six, Indiana, number seven, San Antonio, number eight, Orlando, number nine, New Orleans, number 10, Utah, number 11, Toronto, number 12, Chicago, number 13, Charlotte, number 14, Washington. Uh, that's about all I've got. Mark, uh, any other strong takes here? Uh, do I have any other strong takes? I don't think so right now. Um, I'm just excited for this draft to get here. I'm Well, mainly, like, I'm, I'm excited for the lottery to get here, and then we can kind of go from there. Uh, Cause I think that this is just one of them. Like this is going to be one of those draft classes that we talk about for a long time. Um, like, at least for me, this feels like the closest that we're getting to, you know, what 2003 was um, like, I don't think it, you know, that's a lot of projection and conjecture. Like, I don't know if it's quite going to go that far, but I also don't think it's impossible. Like, I think that I look at the, yeah. at the top half of the lottery and I'm like, I do legitimately think that there's like seven or eight guys who could really be consistent but like all-star level performers in this class, if things really hit and that's like incredibly exciting. So I'm just, I'm very excited for, for what this could be. Yeah. It's a loaded group this year at the top. I, I'm not quite as high on the depth as I think some people are. Yeah, no, I, agree. I think that there's definitely a fall off once you get past like 12, like there, there's a fall off after 12. And I think there's even like another fall off after like 22 ish, 21 ish, something like that. Um, I will probably have fewer first round grades than what I normally have in a draft class this year, but I will also probably have, you know, more tier two plus guys than what I normally have mm-hmm. in a draft class. So it's really fun and really exciting. Uh, Daniel Garrett asks for one thing, Mark, give us a bad food take before we get out of here. Uh, do I have a bad one? Uh well, it'll be good to me, bad to you. Uh, I don't really like sausage. Um, not a big pork guy. Uh, not a fan of sausage. It's too greasy, and it just it's it's uncomfortable. Um, I don't really like hot dogs because it's the same thing. Pretty much anything in a pork casing is bad, um, except for brats. And even brats aren't really even in casings like that. But brats are awesome. But like, yeah, hot dogs are bad. One of my friends did the nine by nine at the Mets game the other day. So nine Bud Lights and nine dollar dogs. And I just, I saw him posting pictures on Instagram all day. I was like, I can't even look at that. So yeah. That's my that take. is that is a nightmare 
uh, doing the nine by nine. I cannot imagine why someone would do that. Like, what is the what is the goal? There's no said? reward. It's just a yeah. Dollar. Like, what do you get? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I don't know why he did it. Well, that I do know. He's he's a good dude, but he 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 makes some decisions. Uh, so it was funny. Um, but yeah, uh, I could not do that because you do it. It's it's once an inning, so it's like you do it every inning. I'm like, it's just a consistent destruction of your body, and I no. Well, the other problem is like you can't like you have to do it with somebody else who's like willing to like share the ability to go up and like go get the food and like the drinks with you. Cause like, look, I could probably eat like a cold hot dog, like by the ninth inning, if I just got like nine hot dogs in the beginning, it's not great. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying like, you know, or like in the fourth inning, if I went up and like got got, like the last five hot dogs, like I could live with that. The, you can't drink the warm beer though. So you have to continually be like, I would rather eat a shitty hot dog than drink a Bud Light to be completely honest. Um, I hate Bud Light. I don't like Bud Light. Most light beers are pretty. Blah. It just reminds me of college too much. Oh my god, that is so gross. Nine by nine. That is uh, that is something that I have. That that's a new thing that I had not heard that people were doing at uh, baseball games. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> gotta keep yourself entertained somehow. So clearly, my goodness. Oh my god. Um. Okay, Mark. Uh, any any movies? I saw Evil Dead Rise this week. Finally, ooh, I wanted to see that. Um, what did I see? Let me pull up my letterbox because I don't actually remember. Like, I, I watched the new Yellow Jackets. Um, I have not caught up yet. I saw Guardians Three, which was it was good. I don't think it was like as good as some people are making it out to be. But I also have gotten like a little bit um, more sour on on Marvel movies than 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 consensus has been i think everybody is to be honest it doesn't seem like it sometimes uh but no there's there's been a lot of good stuff i'm hoping to catch up on more this weekend i've been so busy the last week or so i haven't really been able to watch as much but i did start watching the handmaid's tale um which has been fun Mm. it's been good uh well fun is probably the wrong word for that but it's just it's a good series it's very uh, enjoyable to watch and kind of sit through and, and get some of that stuff so yeah uh, to Daniel, no, I've not seen The Covenant. That is certainly on my list uh, at some point here coming up. That's Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, by the way. We we need to get Guy Ritchie's name involved because apparently that's that's the title of the movie. I'm like, I, I mean, I'll probably see it, but I'm not like super in on seeing it. Um, mm-hmm. It just kind of looks like Guy Ritchie made an American Sniper remake. Like, I mean... You know, yeah. I know it's it's different, but also <laughs> yes. like it's, it's like this this movie from anything I've seen, anyone I've heard talk, heard talk about it, it's like just it has none of the Guy Ritchie appeal for me. Like I like when Guy Ritchie yeah. does his zany, weird action comedies. Like I don't really want to go see some super serious Guy Ritchie movie. That's not why I watch Guy Ritchie movies. So it's fair enough. It's fair yeah. enough. Uh... I haven't really been tracking my letterbox, unfortunately, is the problem. I need to get back into I didn't that. I follow you on letterbox. I don't think I follow you on letterbox. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a lot, typically. Um I've not seen Guardians yet. I've not seen Bo's Afraid yet. I've not seen I need to see Bo's Afraid. I've heard incredible things about it. I feel like I need to see yeah. it in theaters before it's out because that, that would be it, that's definitely the kind of movie I want to like not have my phone on or, or like be anywhere other than experiencing that. Um, so yeah, I will say one movie I watched 
the Pope's Exorcist. I had a great it? time. I heard I heard it was like it's it's on my watch list. I heard that Russell Crowe is like surprisingly kind of awesome in it. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's legit. It, it like makes you understand the power of movie stars. Yeah. Uh, cuz he is that that movie should be like totally unwatchable and he is really good at that. And like yeah. really fun in it. Look, it's not an amazing movie. It's like a classic like three-star letterboxd movie, but I had a great time. Like I, I had a really good time and, and like evil dead rise. I thought was maybe like three and a half. Uh, it was pretty stupid. The last half hour kind of saves it. I think. Yeah. Were you a big, like, OG? did you like all the original evil dead movies? Yeah. I, I like the first three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, didn't, I, don't, they're not like my favorites, but like, I, I, I like them. They're enjoyable. Like I, I personally, like I like horror movies that don't take themselves too seriously that they go farther than taking them, not taking themselves, themselves too seriously, but right. Um, it's fun. I've actually never seen the, uh, like, I think it was like 2010, 2012 remake. I've never seen it. I need to do that. I realized that I never watched it either. Yeah. yeah Cause Laura was kind of explaining what it is. And I've heard I it's really good. So yeah, I need to do that, but yeah, no, I just haven't made the time. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, hit the subscribe button over on YouTube, hit the subscribe button over on your podcasting devices. Uh, I have a redraft of the 2022 NBA draft that many people took very, uh, very well and very, uh, very seriously. And, you know, I got no hate in my mentions at all for it. It was great. Uh, no, shout out all those people. I love it. Thank you for reading my work. Genuinely, like seriously, it's such a, that thing is such a mess. And like, you can go a number of different ways. Evaluation is nowhere near a uh, science. It's certainly an art. So I have no problem with anyone who disagrees with that thing. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Next week is lottery week. I will have a mock draft up. I will have a number of different things over the course of that week that we will dive into. Uh, I think that's all we've got though. Until next time, uh, Mark, tell the people where they can find your work, obviously. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at MG underscore Schindler. That's where I'm most active. That's where I have a lot of stuff uh, coming up. Plenty of stuff coming over at uh, Dime and WNBA.com on the WNBA season opening up. Um, I will be all over the place the next couple of weeks as I prepare to move down to Atlanta um, awesome. and getting all that handled, which is going to be fun and just, uh, an adventure for sure. Um, which I'm looking forward to, but uh, yeah. That's great. Mark. Uh, I'm very glad that you get to move down to Atlanta. I'm very glad that you uh, get to get to experience non home life. That's going to be yeah. nice. No, that'll be cool. Um, it'll, it'll be very nice. And Moose is excited too, to get somewhere that's uh, that's warmer. So yeah, we're, we're yeah, I'm sure that that's true. I don't think that uh, I don't think Penny, my very small five pound Chihuahua Terrier mix would be able to actually handle any sort of cold weather. So yeah, it's a, it's gotta be tough for most. Yeah. Okay. Folks. uh, Yeah. Just go subscribe to the athletic, do all that fun stuff until next time. We'll talk soon.